You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. Too much is said about the African-American family as problems. It's as if we were a problem people when we're simply people with problems. Civil rights leader Dorothy Height. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. A decades-long tradition continues this summer with the 35th annual Black Family Reunion taking place later this month. The event was started by the longtime president of the National Council of Negro Women, Dorothy Height. The Black Family Reunion grew quickly, attracting millions across the country. And from the reunions grew the Black Family Reunion Cookbook, first published in 1992 by the National Council of Negro Women. But as you're about to hear... The cookbook was not just a collection of recipes. It was a virtual oral history of the African-American family experience. So here now, from 1993, my conversation with Dorothy Height. We started with the Black Family Reunion celebrations in 1986 because we were concerned about the negative images always projected about the black family. And that too little is ever said about our traditional values. We are survivors because we have historic strengths and we have achieved against all kinds of odds. And we feel that many of our young people lose their way or get into negative lifestyles because they have a low self-esteem. And we thought that this was a time and no one would do it for us if we didn't do it ourselves, that we would celebrate the black family with its historic strengths and with its long sense of people caring for one another and of self-help and stressing the importance of education. The fact that we're a church-based family with rooted in faith and that we have we certainly have been hard workers and we believe in hard work and we believe in self-help and of course the extended family is what has kept us moving and we feel that the time has come for us to try again to see whether we could make our neighborhoods more like the extended family. And it was out of what we have done since 1986, through some eight black family reunion celebrations across the country, which have attracted some 10 million people, that the black family reunion cookbook was developed. Well, if you get that many people together, they gotta eat somehow, <clears throat> don't they? Well, eating is great because it really means it's a great leveler. It brings us all together. It helps us to bond. Well, food is more than just sustenance for, for any culture. It's not just something that you put in your body because your body needs fuel. It, it, is, it is a societal thing, isn't it? It is a societal thing. And if you recall, before the Civil Rights Act and before the Civil Rights Movement, and there were parts of this country where... We had to protest, the young people with the sit-ins had to protest that they could spend their money in stores while they stood up, but they couldn't sit down and eat at a lunch counter. So who eats with whom has a great deal to say about how the culture is and how open the society is. That's why food is so important. Do you know one value that I found in this cookbook that I find in so few others these days is that the recipes are the kind of dishes that you would expect to find in a home. Yes. So many other cookbooks are dishes you might find in a fine restaurant and they yes. try to duplicate that. This is home. This is this is cooking that you'd expect mom to make. 
That's right. And what we did was that we sent out an appeal. And of course, we had people like Patti LaBelle and Nancy Wilson and other great stars who sent in recipes, Natalie Cole and others. But the important thing was even they sent in recipes that they had taken from their mothers or their grandmothers, and maybe they've doctored them up a little bit, and they've gotten away from the pattern our grandmothers had where they would say a pinch of this and a pinch of that. But they brought it into modern figures so that we could handle it. But all of these are recipes that came from people who have experienced it. And in addition to the recipes, as you know, we have a book full of food memories, and that's what a lot of people like, the food memories. Yeah, that's what makes this book something more than just the, for the person who in the family who, do it, who does the cooking. Yes. Uh, this, is, this is something that, that even those who have no idea how to boil water can enjoy. Yes, because as one of my friends said, I use it for the reading and not for the cooking. Because in it, we have Mary McLeod Bethune's last will and testament in its entirety. We have a black family pledge written by Dr. Maya Angelo in 1986. And we have in it uh, excerpts of uh, the people have told stories they've told. For example, I placed in there the, a sweet potato pie recipe. But the story that goes with it is that Mary McLeod Bethune, who founded the National Council of Negro Women, in also founded Bethune-Cookman College in 1904. And Mrs. Bethune said whenever she was short of cash and needed money for books or to keep the doors open, she would bake sweet potato pies and sell them. And so we often say that that was a school that really got its beginning around sweet potato pies. <laughs> Well, you know, as, as I told you before we started the interview, this is a cookbook that has gotten a great deal of use already just in the last few weeks uh, around my house. There's, oh, a, there, there's, a, there's a great deal. In, the only, now, i got to tell you, the only thing, as for someone who's been watching his fat and cholesterol oh, intake. please. <laughs> you know, see, this is for those special days. You can diet in between. <laughs> but I do have to say that uh, the Walt Disney World chef, uh, Johnny, Ro Johnny Rivers, and several other people have in their recipes that show you how to get the same taste with less fat and less, less calories and less cholesterol. It, it, it does tend to, to you know, send shockwaves through someone when, when I see in here a recipe that calls for a, a quarter cup of Crisco or a half yeah. a cup of Crisco. I, you know, you're, you're tempted to say, whoa, <laughs> those other books said don't do that. Well, Crisco says that they've, it's cholesterol-free. That's, yeah, that's true. It's, it's a whole lot better than some recipe I've seen in, in old cookbooks where they start with a cup of lard. Yes. <laughs> but a lot, of these, a lot of these dishes you really have to use. You, you, you can't modernize them too much without losing the, 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 the historical flavor of it. That is really true. Because you see, in, in, back in our own history as African Americans, early in the history... We were not given the best of food. We were given the scraps, and we often used those scraps and made them into delicacies so that you have some of those things about how neck bones were used and how pig's feet were used and things of that sort. After this short break, Dorothy Height on the origins of soul food. Back to my 1993 conversation with Dorothy Height. 
I'm going to be making tomorrow night New Orleans red beans and rice oh my with the ham bone that we had yesterday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. It does. Yeah. In fact, I specifically bought the ham and made it yesterday so that we could so have a ham bone. So you had the bone. <laughs> red beans and oh, rice. Oh, that, that sounds great. But that's something else, too. I mean, we, we throw away so much food anymore right. when we could easily turn it into something delicious. That's right. There are all kinds of, um, of, of interesting things in here, one of which I think is a unique, and that's a glossary of soul food. Mm -hmm. And it tells us much of what has happened to food and how it came to be called soul food. And I think also the stories that bring us through the African diaspora. So that it includes not only things that we, who are African-Americans brought, but those who were African who went into the Caribbean and all so that some of the vegetarian recipes that draw upon beans and rice and all of those things really have their roots coming out of the Caribbean. Is that also why coconut is in the... I, I expected to find chitlins and I expected to find pot liquor. didn't expect to find coconut. Well, you found coconut because we're dealing with the whole African diaspora and the contribution that Caribbean people have made is great. Now, now, let me ask. I'm, I'm a realistic kind of person, and I'm, I know how the news media are, being an, an intimate, familiar with the news media as I am. Has you found historically that the black family reunions in various cities get the media attention they deserve, or are newspapers and television stations more inclined to talk about the latest shooting in Southeast with no suspects and no motive, uh, that type of thing? Well, I have to be honest with you. As one who has protested that that was the trend, I have to say that I think the reason that the Black Family Union celebration is the great national movement in behalf of the family that it is, is because we have had simply marvelous cooperation from the media. We've had newspapers who have taken our logo and have put it in color and have done a lot of things with it. We've had radio stations who have come on the grounds and have had their remotes. We've had all every part of the media. The radio, of course, is a great backer-upper, and we find most of our people hear about it through the radio, and we know that they're with us because they come and not only help us get the word out in advance, but always you will find in each of these parks radio stations who have a remote on the spot and they talk to families. They use the opportunity to, some of them have uh, opportunities for families to tell their story and something of their history. You know, sometimes we've had as many 60 members of one family who've come to one of these reunions because families are now organizing their own reunion within the reunion. Almost strikes me that you need the reunions now more than you did when you started them. More than ever, and I have to tell you, 10 million people have been there without a single police incident. And we have been in all kinds of neighborhoods, which means that people want something positive. And no matter what their behavior, that they'd like to feel that they are respected. Because when on these grounds, everybody acts, as Maya Angelou says in her uh, Black Family Pledge, that we're more than keepers of our brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters. You, and you seem to be as enthusiastic about it uh, as, as you probably were on day one. How do you manage to keep your uh, enthusiasm well, high? Because it's very exciting to see the way the thing has grown. 
we have at least 12 to 15 cities who are asking for it. Uh, my own home state of New York, the city of New York, is, is one of those. And we, we, can't keep, we have not been able to keep up with the request. But most importantly, we've seen people go back to school. We've seen people make linkages. We've even had a few marriages come out of it. But we've seen people, young people who had dropped out, who made a new connection and went back to school through the education pavilion and the like. And we've had people make contact through the health services. And in there, they've gotten the information they needed, but they also got some sense as to how they could get health care and the like. So you see, it's, it's what's happening to people that makes you feel good and gives you a real lift and keeps you moving. Well, I think the main thing that I'd like to say is that <clears throat> the Black Family Union cookbook is really a book of recipes and food memories. And we hope that people will see it as something that they will use to help us get the word about, about who we are. Too much is said about the African-American family as problems. It's as if we were a problem people when we're simply people with problems. And if we can get more of our information, that are things that we have created and have put together, if, if people will read something of our history, as we say in the slogan of the Black Family Union, I think it'll help them catch the family spirit. Dorothy Height died in 2010. She was 98. And you can get a copy of the Black Family Reunion Cookbook by simply clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. And heardeverything.com is also where you'll hear my 1988 interview with Roots author Alex Haley. If you want to enslave a people, the first thing you do is remove their sense of worth. But you know, you, you can bet your boots, Chicken George had a very clear sense of his worth. So did Kunta Kinte. So did Fiddler. And my 1993 conversation with Maya Angelou. I have never been able to say exactly what I mean. It's like trying to describe green to a person who is colorblind or a melody to a person who has difficulty hearing. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, to mark National Radio Day coming up next weekend, we'll be talking with one legend about another, my 1993 conversation with former NPR host Bob Edwards. I became a better broadcaster. I became more confident to the point today where I don't think anyone could intimidate me. I couldn't get Mike Fried, no matter who I was interviewing. And Red Barber is the one I have to thank for that. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thank you.